Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica, and I'm your host. Let's see. Safe Recovery was founded to give a new voice in the addiction treatment industry that has a long time been dominated by 12-step recovery. We're here to expose abuses going on and support victims with age-old problems there with harassment of any kind in the rooms and in treatment. We're here to discuss books, on alternatives to AA and NA, and I want to support men and women who have written new thought books on the subject, as well as enlighten the world that the 12-step program is not the only game in town. So tonight is June 7, 2011. I have a really, really special guest. And before I introduce the guest, I want to just uh, give the phone number out for calling in, which is 818-475-9211. Again, that's 818-475-9211. It's blogtalkradio.com forward slash safe recovery. There is a chat room if you're too shy to uh, call in. And we, we Tom and I did talk, and we are going to take callers. So tonight we have a very, very special guest. And we have Tom Horvath from Smart Recovery. And, you know, I printed out a few things about Smart, um, which kind of, I'm going to just say this. Smart Recovery is based on knowledge and is intended to evolve as scientific knowledge evolves. The program uses principles of motivational interviewing found in motivational enhancement therapy, MET, and techniques taken from cognitive behavioral therapy, particular in the version called REBT, as well as scientifically validated research on treatment. So I am going to bring Tom on and let him tell us all about SMART. So, Hi, Tom. Hi, Monica. Happy to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. Thank you. So, where do you want to begin? Tell us about SMART. Well, you just gave us some crucial facts about SMART Recovery. I want to emphasize that in addition to a program that teaches some very helpful tools and techniques, as we call them, uh, organized under four principles, which we call the four-point program, we also provide a community, and that community operates through face-to-face meetings and online through message boards and the chat room and online meetings. Mm-hmm. So it's both information and a community, and people uh, will emphasize one or the other or possibly both equally, but uh, either of those ways is a good way to do smart recovery. Yeah, I saw here when I was sort of looked up uh, information on SMART, and I was happily surprised that it says, at least in this place where I found information, approximately 600 weekly group meetings are led by volunteers worldwide. That's a lot. That's a lot more than I knew, and that um, which I thought was really, really great. And I know it's growing, isn't it? Well, yes, in fact, uh, as of Last week, I think we hit 650, and mm-hmm. we train new facilitators every other month. We're probably going to need to step up the 
frequency and size of the trainings. We're, we're in internal discussions right now about how to keep uh, expanding our training operation without losing quality. But mm-hmm. we're training approximately 30 to 40 new volunteers every other month. And most of them, a good portion of them anyway, end up starting meetings and then other meetings grow within communities as people um, take over meetings that uh, they've been participating in. So Mm -hmm. we expect to have continued growth, and I also expect that the growth will accelerate as time goes by. How does somebody become a group leader, a trained group leader? Do they have to be? Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. The simple way to do it is to sign up for the training. You just go to smartrecovery.org, the website, and there's a button there on the home page about how to sign up for the training. Many people come up through the ranks, we could say. They participate in meetings a while. They gradually start assisting the main facilitator and eventually gain the confidence to take over. The facilitator job does require two sets of skills, really. One is knowledge about the Smart Recovery Month, uh, program, and the mm-hmm. other one is some confidence about facilitating a small group discussion, and we right, right. train and support both of those. So, I really love SMART. I went and to some meetings in Los Angeles, and I was really impressed with both of the leaders that I met there, uh, but also just the whole intelligent way that recovery was handled as opposed to what my experience was uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, how did you get involved with SMART? I know it's been how many years? It's been like 14 or? Well, SMART Recovery has been operating under this name since 1994. Mm-hmm. So we are coming up on our 20-year anniversary in a few years. I've been involved since 1991, and we have Mm -hmm. some um, volunteers and affiliates who've been involved since the late 80s. So that's um, a a good chunk of time. uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the day when I can say I've been involved 50 years. I've got a few more years to go. Yeah, I think that is a long time, and uh, some of us, we're talking about like PR for smart recovery because I didn't know about it till I found the sites, uh, orange papers and stinking thinking a couple of years ago. So part of what my little mission here is to sort of get every alternative that there is out there. Although for me, uh, smart is my favorite so far, but I know that there's a lot of people on the blogs talk about how much, uh, it has helped them. And um, do you run a rehab or a treatment center in San Diego that uses this approach? Well, yes. It, I, I am the volunteer president of Smart Recovery, and almost everybody in Smart Recovery is a volunteer. We have a small central office staff in Ohio, uh-huh. two staff members who get paid there, and we have a little bit of contract work for some technical um services but basically we're run by less than five people on the payroll so i have to make a living and i do that by uh, operating a treatment center practical recovery in san diego and we do have uh, a number of our clients and residents who attend smart recovery meetings because they find them helpful so uh, yes it's it's reasonably well integrated into our treatment program what is the name of the treatment program there? Our treatment program is called Practical Recovery. Practical Recovery. Oh, I like that. Yes. There's, there's uh, all these. There's Rational Recovery and Smart Recovery and Practical Recovery, and it's hard to keep them all straight. And there must be some others as well. But, well, mine uh, is now Safe Recovery. It's not a. It's not yes. a treatment program yet. You know what I mean? But it is a, a place for people to go. Uh, so the the program at first I started calling it Stop Thirteen Step, and then I was like, no, this is really about this, you know. So safe recovery. Um, may I ask you a few questions? Please. Uh, are there meetings at any universities or colleges in the United States? Off the top of my head, I'm not recalling any. Uh, the 
website has the comprehensive list of meetings yeah, as well as uh-huh. local websites. Right. I can tell you that our members tend to be older and mm-hmm. not as many college age. I'm hoping that that situation changes. There is at the bottom of our homepage links to our member survey from 2008, 9, and 10. And that oh, okay. Some idea about the demographics of smart recovery. This is something that I'd like to help with. I think that um, the college, there's. My son went to Syracuse, and there were four kids that died on the campus that first year um, from binge drinking and or drunk driving, or somebody hit a pedestrian. It was really sad. And I would, I know that there are 12-step meetings uh, for sure at you know a local city college here, and. Um, you know, being close to UCLA or USC, that the number of people that want help is getting younger and younger. So maybe at some point uh, I could help with that because I think that is not just the prisons. I mean, I see that uh, SMART meetings are held. This is what I have, and maybe you can correct me if it's wrong. It says Arizona, California, Florida, Indiana, Massachusetts, in Michigan, Minnesota, Jersey, New York, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, and Wisconsin. So I think that's great. Um, yes, we're in correctional systems, prison systems in those states, mm-hmm. and and not completely available, but at least we're starting to be available in those locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, the young people is particularly important because the latest federal government data that I'm aware of suggests that the average age at which alcohol dependence emerges is age 22. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are a lot of young people with drinking problems plus other substance problems, and it would be good for smart recovery to be an option for them. Yeah, it really would be. Now, I have have a, um, a blogger, friend, new friend blogger, who is, now I lost the page, where is it? Um, it's so interesting to run a, a radio show here from my laptop, um, who asked about Chicago. Uh, she lives an hour outside of uh, Chicago, and uh, are there any meetings there that you know about? There are several meetings in Chicago. That's one of our stronger localities. So, again, go to smartrecovery.org, click on meetings in your area, Search first under Illinois and then under Chicago, and all the meetings there will show up. Did you hear that, Sally? <laughs> okay, so Sally's in the chat room. Uh, and maybe eventually you could become a trained leader in her area. She said she's about an hour away, so that's a little too far for her uh, to go into the city. Um, so if anyone wants to call in, there's plenty of people in the chat room, 818-475-9211. We have three listening on the phones, but they don't have their hands up. So they don't, they're telling me that they don't necessarily want to talk, but there's, I don't know, these ten people sitting in the chat room. Uh, what was the other question I had? Oh, yeah, what other addictions does SMART help with besides alcohol and uh, drugs? Well, the normal division in the field is between substance addictions and what we call activity addictions, they're more often called process addictions. I think I have preferred the term activity addiction because mm-hmm. I believe all addiction involves a process. There's a process of getting uh, over-involved with something, and mm-hmm. those that process can occur with a substance or an activity. I, I would say that typically our members, our participants, have drinking problems followed by other substances, followed by activities, but we're open to any of those addictions. We'd, we'd be delighted for have, to have more activity addiction participants. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. So you want to tell me and the listeners just a little bit more about your background, your education, or anything else you'd like to talk about, about yourself and the work that you've done? Because it sounds like you've been um, doing it a long time. Well, yes, I've been involved in addiction since 1985. Mm-hmm. And I got into addiction treatment because as I first entered private practice in San Diego in 1984 after doing three years as a Navy psychologist, mm-hmm. excuse me, I discovered that there were a number of people who 
had addiction problems and acknowledged that they had addiction problems and for various reasons refused to go to AA. And people all have all kinds of reasons about why they do different things. Uh, At the time, my background and training had been traditional and I thought, well, I should insist that they go to AA or refuse to see them. And I thought about that a while and thought, well, that really doesn't make any sense. You're a psychologist. These people have come to you for help. Why don't you help them? So I set out on a mission to learn about addiction, and then I was uh, contacted. So I began specializing uh, in it in 1985 because Mm -hmm. it seemed like... a promising area, and I'm always interested in both new things as well as uh, fundamentals and basics that endure, Uh, but it seemed to me that the enduring principles of good psychotherapy would be helpful to people with addiction. So that went on for a number of years, and then in 91, I got contacted by the uh, local people who were starting to run rational recovery meetings, and was I interested in them? And I was, so mm-hmm. I got involved with the rational recovery organization, and and that became a nonprofit, and then it transformed itself into Smart Recovery. And I've been the president of Smart Recovery since '95, uh, except for one year in there, and uh, I've continued to expand our practice as well. So practical recovery is a number of people now in, in multiple facilities. The interest in uh, self-empowering approaches Mm -hmm. has grown steadily over the years, whether that self-empowerment occurs in a support group or just by reading something or going to treatment. And I expect that that will continue. In fact, I believe that when the self-empowering option is fully available because it's not yet, mm-hmm. right. that about about half the people who go to support groups or treatment will prefer the self-empowering approach, and the other That's, half will, will have the alternative approach. Yeah, I, I agree. I really see, uh, you can see it in our culture. I certainly see it in Los Angeles with people who in droves, you know, agape got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I know that people from support groups actually went there and were talking about that sort of empowerment. You certainly weren't going to be told that you were powerless there, you know. And as the culture, when did you begin to see, like, the bud of that thing of people wanting to be empowered in the work that you did? Well, the psychologists who've studied this have identified a variable called locus of control. Mm -hmm. and internal locus of control is the belief that whatever should happen to me in the future, I'm going to respond to it, shape it, deal with it in such a way that I'm going to continue to move forward in the kind of life that I want to create for myself. An external locus of control is more the opposite orientation, that my life will be mostly determined by what happens to me and I won't necessarily have a lot of control about it. Mm -hmm. Now, The reality of life is that there are some things we can control and some things we can't, which is why I've come to be very fond of the serenity prayer, which Mm -hmm. was originally written, I understand, by Reinhold Niebuhr, a theologian, about 1936. And that notion of balancing serenity to accept what you can't change and courage to change the things you can, I think is a very important concept. What I have come to recognize is that some people want to move forward in life and emphasize the courage aspect, and others want to emphasize the serenity aspect. And the the reality is everybody needs both, but the ratio of them might be different. And smart recovery appeals to people who are more focused on the courage side. Yeah, I really, really like that. I had a father who had a problem who died of the you know problem, and um, he you know, didn't like AA at all. Like, he hated it, and I was able to stay actually absent on his own for about 17 years. Um, But we have some hands raised here, so I think it's a great time uh, to bring some on. Let me bring this caller on first. Hi, caller, you're on the air. Hello, is it me? Hi, who's this? Oh, this is John. Uh, Hello, Mr. Horvath. 
I just uh, I just have one question, and I guess I should have called earlier. But uh, you mentioned how someone can become a, a, a smart recovery leader, and I was just wondering if, if you know, since this is safe recovery here, if you guys run criminal background checks on group leaders? We do not run criminal background checks on facilitators. We've never considered it. What we do is mm-hmm. that we make it clear that smart recovery as an activity occurs only in meetings. So we do not encourage, permit, support any kind of private meeting between a facilitator and a participant. Mm. Now, I'm sure they happen from time to time, and we're Mm -hmm. not necessarily going to kick somebody out for doing that, but we also make it clear that that's not an official smart recovery activity. So if something's going on in that interaction, you you both are responsible for it. It's it's not part of smart recovery. And we have okay. done that to make smart recovery a public activity, which we assume is a safer activity than a private activity. That's a good question. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for answering that. I, I have an, another question. Of course, hopefully I'm not holding anyone. Monica, if somebody else wants to get on, just kick me off, okay? Okay, how about uh, ask this Mr. one? And then, yeah, go ahead, ask this one. We have two other people online, but go ahead, ask another one. Uh, actually, never mind, go ahead. I'll take oh. someone else. All right. Um, okay, I will. Thanks. Was, I thought it was a great question. Thanks, John. You know, um, I was talking with... Uh, one of the women in Florida who's actually been helping a lot, and we talked about, you know, smart, you know, the, the drug courts getting to. Actually, I'm gonna let me take this call, and then we'll see who let's see who this is. Um, hi, caller, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi, caller. Am I on the air? Oh, hi, Todd. How you doing? Hi. How are you? I'm good. Couldn't how are you? Calling in. Uh for the Smart Recovery Show. Smart Recovery is just awesome, if you ask me. I've been to a few meetings. I believe it was at Mass General Hospital in Boston. Mm-hmm. And um, they were just really good meetings. And uh, I had a couple of questions, if it's all okay. right. Yeah, Tom, you there? First of all, I, I learned oh, something about um, triggers, and I'm not sure if it's actually part of the Smart Recovery philosophy, but I was wondering what Tom thought of it. Um, it's something I learned at a smart recovery meeting, is that the word trigger or the, the idea of a trigger is not necessarily helpful because the term trigger indicates that something has been set into motion which cannot be controlled after it's been set into motion. So um, mm. I, I, I was wondering if he's, he's ever heard anything like this or I understand... Uh, that there are vulnerability factors, and and Smart Recovery does teach relapse prevention and recognize that there are things that can make uh, an alcoholic or, well, they don't even use the word alcoholic, troubled drinker or whatever, um, more vulnerable in early recovery. There's a number of points I want to make to that, Todd. Yes, the word trigger has been used a long time, and it does have the unfortunate aspect that it suggests that once that trigger is pulled, the bullet is going to fly and go where it goes. A better analogy would probably be an on and off switch, which could be turned on but then might be turned off again. And because we do encourage people to come back and talk about slips, we're often in a position of hearing stories where people slip but then manage to contain it uh, in a a useful way. And those stories are often very interesting. Uh, You you gain insight on how you could pull the bullet back, so to speak. So uh, this is not an issue I had much thought about. Uh, Quite frankly, trigger was not a word I had ever used in my professional practice, but the nature of smart recovery meetings is that we do pay very careful attention to language, and we are attempting to get the language right, which means we're getting the concepts right, because we're trying to conform our language to reality. Mm-hmm. And reality is is the crucial uh, arbiter here, 
it's what's really happening, and trigger is is not uh, a, a very accurate concept. So, uh, thank you. Now there was a there was a second aspect to your question as well, which I've now forgotten. Well, so did I. So I'll <laughs> ask you another one if I can. <laughs> sure. This is this is the controversial one, Tom. Now, please. Myself, I have. Um, been known as what some people call an AA basher. In other words, I have a long and very negative history with Alcoholics Anonymous. And because of that, and some of the traumatic experiences almost, or um, abuse that I believe I went through as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, have, have caused me at times to want to speak out and to warn other people or perhaps bring some change to the addiction treatment industry. That's the point I want to make, bring change to the addiction treatment industry. So I was wondering, um, what do you think of the whole movement, and um, what is Smart Recovery's position on this, and what's the best ways to bring change to the addiction treatment industry? Well, if I knew the best way to do it, I would be doing something better than I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, we're we're trying to make awareness, and that's why this uh, radio show is so fantastic, to make people aware that that there are a number of well-worn paths to recovery that are not necessarily 12-step. One of my analogies is that we're all trying to get through the woods, and we may need to use our very own path but many people have gotten through these woods before and there are some paths there and even if you don't like the main path there are lots of other paths to look at and Mm -hmm. i I do believe ultimately each person's path to recovery may be unique but it's still valuable to learn from how other people have done it it's probably the major source of learning in our lives we watch what other people do so Mm -hmm. Uh, I have heard hundreds, if not thousands, of stories from people who believe that they have had bad experiences in AA, and I have no reason to argue with them. I I don't want to take a holier-than-thou attitude, because as Smart Recovery gets bigger, I may start hearing stories about difficulties Smart Recovery had. So we're we're working very diligently in Smart Recovery to keep our organization as respectful and uh, helpful uh, as possible. No human organization is going to be perfect. Uh, You could say that AA has not had the good fortune of having any competition, so it hasn't needed to be more responsive to its public, but that situation is changing. I would say the fundamental change that needs to happen in the field is that everybody associated with addiction recovery, professional, participant, whatever, needs to state very clearly there are many roads to recovery and one is not necessarily better than another. So I would say that that's the most important message to get out and I'm happy for anybody who's helping us do that. All right, thank you, Todd. I have two more hands up in here. I think All right, a great, thanks, great Tom. Thanks, Monica. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Um, are you going to go or is somebody going to go from SMART to either the con- – it's like a convention or a conference that is in Anaheim next weekend, and then I know there's was one or going to be one in Washington, D.C., where all the judges and the lawyers and all the people dealing with uh, drug court and all of that world – is somebody representing SMART going to go to either one of those? Uh, not that I know of. I just came back from the West Coast Symposium on Addictive Disorders over this last weekend, and there's only so many conferences I can get to. I know right. that from time to time we get people there. There are always uh, there are more opportunities than we can take advantage of at this point. Gradually, mm-hmm. the word is getting out in the. In the criminal justice community, uh, I think the word may get out faster than it does other places because of the court decisions over the last 15 years approximately that have established that it's illegal for the government, not other right. entities, but for the government, 
to right. insist that somebody go to AA meetings, and hopefully the drug courts are getting wind of that um, change. Mm, okay. Uh, there is another caller on the line here. Boy, there's actually quite a few. So this, I don't want to miss out anybody. So this, let me see what another call. Caller, you're online. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, this is Harriet from Florida. Hi, Hi Harriet. How are you doing? Oh, just fine. It's great listening to your show. Thank you. you yeah, that's interesting. You were, you were just talking about the drug courts, and um, I'm in Florida, and I'd had some success in helping my local county and starting to accept smart recovery, uh, which was really, really positive, and we're starting to try to get more meetings in the area so it'll become even more accepted. And well, I was wondering... On behalf, of, on behalf of all the people who may have a brighter chance at recovery because they've got access to this program, thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. It was when I learned about the issues um, that the courts were mandating it and weren't offering alternatives... It, it just was very upsetting that even after these court decisions, to this day, so many courts are still mandating AA and NA. And it seemed to me once I started getting into it and started talking to my local drug courts that the main problem seemed to be people just really weren't addressing it with their local drug courts or even asking for alternatives or demanding it. Um, once I actually brought it up to my local drug court, they actually were receptive to it, knew they really weren't, the impression I got, they knew they were not supposed to mandate AA and NA, even though it looked like they were to me. Um, but once I pressed them on it, and they looked into it, and Dr. Gerstein actually got to um, come to the area and speak to one of the local drug court judges, you know, that really helped as well. So it gives me hope that that the drug courts, I think across the nation, if you know push comes to shove and people really start pressing them, that they'll be more open to it. But they're not really being challenged enough. So are you saying that you took a low-key informational approach and found people receptive to them? Or, or were you? What, what was your question again? Well, it sounds like your approach was informational. You went to somebody and said, you know, the, there are these options. I think you need to consider them. You weren't, I gather, especially confrontive or aggressive. You were just helping people become aware of what they needed to know. Is that a correct understanding? Uh, a little bit of both, actually. Um, you know, trying to be diplomatic, it was first asking if they did offer alternatives, and if they didn't, why not? And if they, and and from there, if they would consider it. And I, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to the actual drug, this particular drug court manager, who I think was pretty knowledgeable about different drug court decisions, and actually said we cannot mandate AA and NA, even though in essence. In my opinion, that is what they were doing, but nobody mm-hmm. had really challenged them. Right. So I introduced them. Sherry had spoke to uh, of Smart Recovery, got in touch with Michael Jewell and Dr. Gerstein and gave them information and, you know, tried to give them the information to see if it went well that way, and it did. And I'm very happy about that. It's still in a, you know, infancy, infancy stages but um, they were receptive to that because I think they see the writing on the wall. I think some people might have uh, a little harder area in other areas, but especially in areas where the decisions actually affect their states, like out in the West Coast. Um, I think if people really, you know, call them up and ask them and, you know, and actually have meetings available... Because what some of them will say, well, there's no other meetings for them to go to. So that's why I would really like to see more smart recovery meetings available and also the acceptance of 
the online meetings, which I understand also mm-hmm. allow for uh, verification to satisfy the courts. And actually, SMART actually works with a lot of courts uh, throughout the country now doing online verifications. Hey, I want yes. to jump in. We have, um, we have people out here in uh, blog uh, chat land. Uh, Sherry, Sherry's here. She wanted me to tell you that, Tom, that Sherry and – let's see, the thing is moving so fast – that Sherry and Hammer are here. Sherry says, hi, Harriet. Um, you know, I, <laughs> Harriet's going to be in, in a newsletter. She's, You know what I think would be great? See, I know the story. I know Harriet really well, Tom, uh, because we became friends from my blog, and she has done such amazing work, if I could brag about you, Harriet, for a minute, to the point that as she was just talking to you, Tom, I was thinking maybe a thread on Stinkin' Thinkin' or even your own blog, where you could put, you know, how you did it, because Tom's question to you was really good. I mean, I know at first, can I tell them some of your story, what the, originally what happened in the park, or do you want to tell it, or you want to skip that now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, I think you know, most importantly for now, uh, not getting into how I got so interested in it, um, right. we can save that for another time, but nevertheless, there were some issues I had in regard to AA and NA. I'm not an NA member, but it had impacted me indirectly. And you know, then I started doing homework on AA and NA and realized that there was – I didn't even know there were court-mandated until last year. I mean, I think that's true for many citizens. They don't realize that probably over 50% of the population is of AA is court-mandated. And then sort of real, you know, reading about that, and then realizing that they were not giving alternatives just really upset me, and so that's kind of how that started. Um, but but I see a lot I, of hope for that. Yes, you are someone that I refer to as a champion. You have championed alternatives and championed smart recovery. And you point out the big problem that we still address, which is having more meetings. But it does remain the case that uh, even if there are no other alternatives, if someone does not want to go to AA, the court cannot send you there. And that ruling applies strictly in 25 states. There are five circuit court decisions which cover 25 states. And really, it applies in all 50 and territories because once five federal circuit courts have made essentially the same decision, the Supreme Court isn't going to hear it anymore, and it is by precedent the law of the land. So people should feel free if that's an important issue to them. On the other hand, if they're happy to go to AA meetings and that meets their court requirement, that's perfectly fine. Uh, But those who want to have the option of an alternative are, are legally entitled to have that when we're dealing with the courts, other people, your spouse, your boss, et cetera, may put a requirement in that uh, is not subject to the Constitution's First Amendment. So that's a separate issue. But, again, thank you so much for being such a, an effective champion. Thank you, Harriet. Well, we been... have a couple of other hands up here. Okay. I would love to get to the other callers. Um, I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Thank Tom. you, and, and great work. And, uh, thank you, Harriet. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Look forward okay. to, to more. Bye. Okay. All right, let's and see while you're, color. Monica, while you're pulling up the next caller, let me just point out that Harriet was referring to Dr. Joe Gerstein, who was the founding president of Smart Recovery, uh, Sherry Allwood, the executive director, who I, apparently is in chat with uh, Hammer, who's one of the board members of Smart Recovery. So, Oh, uh, good. People are out in force tonight. They sure are. So let me see if I can get the next hand up. So if I when it was there, 541, it's... A little. Let me see how this one is. You're on the air. Hi. And hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, hello. I was just uh, wondering if uh, Dr. Horvath could share a little on how Smart Recovery Online approaches the powerless feature for loved ones and concerned significant others. They have a unique approach to that. And my name's Two Putts. Two puts. Okay. All right. Two puts. I've got that question. Uh, yes. Okay. In the twelve-step groups and two puts, maybe you should 
hang up or turn off your radio because we're getting some background interference. Oh, yeah. Can you turn down your computer? Thank you. There we go. Okay. There in the 12-step tradition is a group called Al-Anon for the concerned significant others of the drinker. And Smart Recovery carries on that tradition with a different kind of group, which is oriented around an evidence-based treatment called CRAFT, which is the Community Reinforcement and Family Training Approach. This approach works with family members to accomplish three goals, to help them decrease their own stress and increase their well-being, to actually reduce the substance use of the user and ultimately to get the substance user in treatment. And even though Kraft doesn't have its own TV show like Intervention, it's three Mm -hmm. times more effective in a number of treatment studies at getting people into treatment. But even if people never go, the Kraft approach is very helpful to the CSO, the Concerned Significant Other, and Smart Recovery on Monday nights at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern has a craft group online. My hope is that eventually we will have craft groups face-to-face throughout the country because there's a great need for this support for family members. So, Tupac, thanks for the reminder to mention this uh, opportunity. And like all Smart Recovery activities, it's free. uh, And you would be, if you log into the meeting, you would be joining a community of people that very much wants to support you. Are you there? I think he, uh, I don't know. He might have gotten off the line. He 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 knew I would answer that question. And got off the line. Um, So here is, is this another caller here? So that one looks like, I'm going to check. We may have already spoke to this. uh, Hi, caller, are you there? Hello? Hi. Hello? Hi, caller, are you there? Monica? You're there. Do you have yes. a question? You have a question? Yes. Hi, this is Sally calling. Um, my question is specific about the program SMART. I was told by a former drug counselor that it wouldn't be good for me because it teaches you how to control your drinking. Um, and I'm wondering if that's true. Well, let me address a couple aspects of that. The only person who can decide whether smart recovery would be helpful to you is you, and it may be that it's not especially helpful. You you really wouldn't know until you learned more about it. Smart recovery is an organization for people who have chosen to abstain or are considering abstinence. Now, that said, we are fairly liberal about what we uh allow people to say during the check-in and check-out of a meeting. So, for instance, if I showed up at a meeting someplace and said, well, I'm just here because the judge ordered me to come and I want you to sign my court card at the end, but I have no intention of abstaining. I plan to moderate. Uh, And if the facilitator said, well, thank you for coming to our meeting, Tom. We hope you find this helpful. And we would just move on. We would not criticize this person. We're not trying to control our participants. However, in the meeting itself, once the check-in is finished and the discussion period emerges, we're going to discuss how to abstain because now that's our meeting and that's what we do. And we're not going to talk about it. We're going to teach the tools that we teach that help people to abstain. It is true some people may choose to use those tools to moderate. Um, That's up to them. As I said, we don't control participants. We just control our meetings. You can be sure but there are people who go to other meetings, such as 12-step meetings, who have no intention of abstaining or abstaining for life. They are there to um, get some support and perhaps moderate now or moderate eventually. They just don't talk about it in the meeting. In a smart recovery meeting, you could talk about it briefly in the check-in or check-out. But again, the meeting is focused on how to abstain, and we show how that process works so that people who are thinking about abstaining will get some sense of what it might be like for them. So I would say that your counselor misinformed you, but but perhaps it was an honest mistake, just um, not knowing enough about the organization. So hopefully that answers your question. Do you have a question about that? I think you're very diplomatic, Tom. (laughs) Go ahead, Sally. (laughs) No, um, I don't have a question about that. Um, I thought I was misinformed as well, but I wasn't sure. 
and I I think it's great to have to not be told what you 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 should be doing in your own recovery or mm-hmm. for your own for your own self. Um, I wouldn't want to be part of a program that told you you can never drink again or you shouldn't drink again or you shouldn't be around drinkers. So I think that clears it up. So thank you. You're welcome. We have a slogan in Smart Recovery, which we adopted in the last year or two, and the slogan is discover the power of choice. And you've just you've just <laughs> I reiterated it. Yes. And Sally, before you go off, I want to say, too, that one of the things that I liked when I went to the meetings in Santa Monica, when someone did, you know, drink, um, they said, what did you learn from that? In such a sort of, you know, nonchalant way, there was no judgment, and there was no judgment amongst the other people sitting in the room. And I thought that was really refreshing. Yeah, they felt, <clears throat> did you get the impression that they really wanted to know Instead um, well, of I, being well, critical. I think, well, I think that the person who said it as well was sort of really, um, it helps them more than saying, oh, what did you do wrong? Or you just didn't do the steps well enough. <laughs> or why didn't you call us before you took the drink? Or whatever uh-huh. somebody might say. <laughs> you know, that it was just so smart. You know, I make a joke about that because the first time I saw your video, you know, on your main page, because my son, who was maybe 18 at the time, was starting to have this problem with just drinking too much. And I was like, look, look, these people are smart. (laughs) (laughs) But it really got his attention. It was really different, really different than AA in such a great way. But... um. Well, I hope to get to a meeting then. No, I'm good. Thank you both so much. Okay, thanks, Sally. Okay. Welcome. Now, let me add to that. The reality of learning almost anything is that it will involve a certain amount of trial and error. Mm -hmm. And because of that reality and because some jobs are so sensitive, we put pilots in flight trainers and we have surgeons practicing on cadavers so that they can make mistakes before they go live. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, in recovery, there's really no way to go on the simulator. You you are living your life the whole time, and it's just the most normal thing to expect that people are not going to do it perfectly. But if you look at your mistakes and learn from them, Mm-hmm. then eventually you could actually get to the point where you run out of mistakes to make. If you, as you approach a potential mistake, you could think, hey, I made that mistake already. I know what to do. You know, I talked about that in my group. I've got right. a different plan this time. So the the focus on slips and relapses is one for the participant himself or mm-hmm. herself and mm-hmm. also for everybody else because, as we said, this is a social learning opportunity where we learn from the mistakes of others. In the financial world, there's an expression you may come across occasionally, OPM, which is other people's money. If you if you can get other people's <laughs> money and start your company, and then if you lose it, then you lost their money, you didn't lose yours. So I think about OPM as other people's mistakes, and as much as possible, I want to move forward in life learning from other people's mistakes Mm-hmm. without having to make too many of my own. But rest assured, we all are going to make plenty of our own. So this is just a piece of reality we're trying to uh, acknowledge and work with. So it's it's definitely a very useful part of a smart recovery meeting that uh, generally uh, people feel pretty comfortable. They come in and say, oh, I blew it over the weekend. You know, I did this or I did that. Right. Facilitators right there saying, gee, thanks for letting us know. Let's talk about it. What can we all learn? Hmm. We have another caller on the line. Should we bring him on? Let's Please. Him on. Okay. Hi, caller. You're on the line. Hello, Monica. How are you? Hi. How are you doing, Kevin? Hi. This is my husband, Kevin, calling in. Hey, Hi, Kevin. Hi. Oh, how are you? I'm good. Glad you called. Yo, good, good, yep. good. Uh, I just have to say I love your show. You know how much I love the show. And, yes, uh, thank you. I, I, I still do. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then I always will. And just curious, um, Tom, do they use the, the term sober in smart recovery? Do they say that I'm sober or that you're sober? Do they use that word? 
it's not a prominent word in our vocabulary. I do hear it occasionally. Um, I don't. I don't have personally strong feelings about one way or the other. I do sometimes distinguish. Uh, I, if I'm talking, I would usually talk about abstinence as being uh. clear, because you could be controlled drinking and still be sober. Uh, I see. But it's it's not a big word with this one way or the other. Oh, just I was very curious, and you know, when you started off, you mentioned that you were a naval psychologist. When I finished up graduate school, I was on a two-year scholarship through the Navy, and I owed them three years in return, which is a very useful experience, and I, I hope that I made a suitable contribution to the Navy. Part of my time was in an alcohol rehab. Uh, and then, yes, I left the Navy and um, and entered private practice. Well, because what I've gathered is that, is that you've been around the block for a while, that you've been around a lot of folks with addiction problems, and was also very curious to know where you personally, did you go through uh, what other folks have gone through with addictions? Have you had your own personal demons, you know, such as addiction, alcohol, or drugs, that you've, uh, you know, overcame before you started your practice? Great question. Thank you. So I have two answers to that. Uh, I am not a person in recovery in the way that that term is normally used. Uh, I've not had any substantial substance or activity addictions. On the other hand, I believe that everybody addresses addiction issues because we are wired from our evolutionary past to crave and desire, at the very least, food, sex, and the attention of others. And we all need to learn how to manage those and uh, I would say of, of, uh, uh, over the course of my life, I have certainly had to deal with all of those issues. So I don't feel myself to be uh, particularly distinct from people who call themselves uh, persons in recovery. So I'm sort of right. walking both sides of the street on that. So it makes it easier for you to relate while you're helping others, basically. Uh, I think I understand addiction pretty well, and it's partly from all the stories I've heard and partly from my own personal experiences dealing with food, sex, and wanting attention. i got to tell you, I'm rather impressed from what I'm hearing already. I mean, Monica's been uh, you know, speaking about for a while how great this program is, and you know, or I'm not sure, is it called a program? Smart Recovery? What do you call it, I guess? <laughs> a fellowship group, uh, we we use that term sometimes, um, the Smart Recovery Program. That That's a common phrase. We have the four-point program, which is maintaining motivation, coping with craving, learning to identify and solve or at least cope with your problems, and lastly, living a, a balanced life that balances uh, momentary and enduring satisfactions, which we sometimes shorten to lifestyle balance. And so, yeah, you call it a smart recovery program, but it, it doesn't have a fixed sequence of steps or activities or projects. We have the, the dog coming Excuse my dog. Like yeah. both, well, both ends here. You know I was been trying to get Kevin to go because uh, I, you know, found it to be so different uh, than AA and found, I felt like, this is what I've been saying, that the neurons in my brain, I could actually feel them latching on to brand new concepts and, you know, solutions for problems. It'd be about, you know, what you were saying, maybe food, you know, for me being long-term abstinent, like people can switch. I see a lot of people have issues around food and uh, or other things like you're speaking about. But I just, uh, you know, love that it, it, was, it felt so fresh. It just felt, felt so helpful and different. Um, and Monica, yeah. if I may. Yes. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I must say, is it Tom? Tom, is it? Tom, yeah. Yes. Yeah, if if more folks sounded like you and were like you in AA, AA would be a much better, different place right now, I must say. <laughs> so uh, it's just, it's quite refreshing to hear to hear you and what you've had to say in this show. So, I, I, Monica, thank you again for uh, having, a, again, have a wonderful guest, and thank you for doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much, thank Kevin. You. Your sweetheart. Okay. Bye-bye. So, okay. So let me, I think he hung up. Okay. Uh, we have five minutes left. Is there, okay. you want to 
address anything. Well, there's something that I wanted to say. Can I? I wanted to talk about the recognition, which I think is kind of nice. It's so smart. It's recognized by the American Academy of Family Physicians, as well as the National Institute on Drug Abuse, National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, and um, let's see, a component of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It, it, are you doing research? Are you sort of tracking or? I guess that's well, a question. As as to research, there's um, there's no research uh, of the highest level, which is a randomized clinical trial, uh, really on AA or Smart Recovery or any other support group. And in some ways, that's appropriate because even if we had studies one way or the other, people would still vote with their feet and they'd go to the meetings they find helpful. I'm right. sure that if people participated as subjects and we got the research done, we would discover that almost all of the support groups, let me say all of them, would prove to be helpful to some people. I think the best way to choose among support groups is actually to just go to a few meetings of each one. Maybe you can read a description and that will convince you well enough. If you're not mm -hmm. sure, I would go to a meeting and and find out that way. And most people who recover, and, and this is People in treatment and people in support groups often don't say this, but most people who get over their substance problems don't go to treatment and they don't go to support groups. So it's it's only a portion of the people who actually go at all. And That's right. Do you know what that all percentage of us, is? I mean, I know what they say it on the blogs. You know, it's pretty low, I've heard. You know, a lot of people I've heard stop, but that you know, stop on their own, right. and. Right, and also SMART believes that you don't need SMART forever. Right. We encourage people to attend for as long as they find it helpful. And we have some people who are around for years, but many of them actually transition into a volunteer status. They just like being in the organization and want to help others. I'm sure we have some participants who are actively participating for years, but it's, it seems to be less than that for most people. The figure that I am aware of is from the National Epidemiological Survey on Alcohol-Related Conditions, the NISARC, uh, which is a federal government survey that looked at 43,000 people. It's one of the largest surveys of its kind. And yeah. it found that only 13% of people with alcohol dependence, I believe I'm quoting this correctly, 13% of people with alcohol dependence actually sought services. Either What's the name of that survey? What is that the survey NISARC, called? The National epidemiological survey on alcohol-related conditions. If you want, uh, our listeners may appreciate a, way, a quick way to get access to it, so type this into your search engine. Yeah. Alcoholism isn't what it used to be. Mm. Alcoholism isn't what it used to be. Mm -hmm. And that will bring up, the first hit will be spectrum.niaa.nih.gov. And that will be a brief summary of the NISARC findings, uh, which are pretty stunning. Uh, I think when those findings, findings get permeated throughout the field, it will be as big a change as smart recovery is becoming. Uh, just a remarkable set of findings. That's one of the reasons you have a federal government is that it can finance projects like that. Does smart recovery have a T-shirt? I'm sorry, does Smart Recovery have a T-shirt that I can wear around Los Angeles? <laughs> and on the back, it'll say Empowered Recovery. <laughs> I'll find a T-shirt and send you one. Let's design one. And it says, so we have one minute remaining to the show. I want to thank you so much. Maybe you can come back. Uh, and maybe I we would can... be delighted to come back anytime. Uh, we had some great questions tonight. I suspect there may be some more in the future. I'd, I'd love to return. I think so. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, I'll talk to you a little later. That sounds wonderful. Okay. Thank you very Bye -bye. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. So I'm Monica. This is Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. Wow, what a great show. Thank you, Tom Horvath. Thank you, Sherry Allwood out there. Thank you, Harriet. Thank you, Todd, everyone who called in. Sally was another name I can't remember. It was kind of a funny name. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Mike Blame Denial out there. Johnny Quest, you called in. Uh, I really, really loved having somebody from Smart On 
Next week, we're going to have Amy Lee Coyon, who wrote um, From Death Do I Part. I'm going to have uh, Ken Anderson from Moderation uh, Harm Reduction. And you know, I was thinking of Moderation Management. But I'm going to try to just have everybody. Good night. I want to thank you, and good night, and see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>